all 10 of my followers that can still see me from not being banned. Yeah, I saw that you've kind of been like shadow banned, right? Oh, super, super shadow banned. Yeah. Hi, guys. Do you have another account? I do. I do have another account, but I this one, I have a blue check mark and I have like 90,000 followers. So I think yeah. I'm cool. So like, even though only 10 people can see me, I just, you know, it's like those pair of shoes that, you know, you just think they hurt your feet, but you just keep wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. I thought I went live. Wait, let's try. Oh, can I not go live anymore? Have I been banned from going live? Oh, Wow. Oh, that's incredible. I think I've been banned from going live. Wow. Wow. Maybe I'll, I'll quit the app. Hey, guys, this, uh, we are live on YouTube on the Sevon podcast. And, oh, it looks like people are logging on. Good to see you guys. Uh, Kate Gordon's here. Sevon's here. I have COVID. That's why I'm, that's why I'm wearing a, a warm vest and a warm hat. It's eight o'clock at night here. What what time is it where you're at, Kate? One p.m. One p.m. Mm -hmm. And she is in what we in the United States refer to as the world's largest prison. But people yeah. are telling me it's really not like that there. It's just like that's just the news here in the United States portraying it that way. Like I've heard Joe Rogan talking about the military and forcing people to stay inside, and I know that in Sydney they are utilizing the military because the police forces they just don't have the capacity to enforce this thing. Yeah. Um, so they were getting the military in, but I don't, I don't know if it's like, you know, it gets blown up and magnified on, on media and it's like the stuff that goes viral is the most extreme version, but Melbourne's pretty bad. Like Melbourne where I am, we have a curfew. Um, we can't go out beyond 9 PM and we have to be home from 9 PM till 5 AM. We've got a 5k radius. Like you have a bubble. You can't go out of your 5k radius. Uh, you can only leave your house. Do you reasons. follow those rules, guys? I'm on with Kate Gordon. It's it's we're we're starting hot straight about the lockdown in Australia. Then sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then the most important thing: saving people's lives with CrossFit. Saving people's lives with CrossFit. You've only missed two minutes of the show. Please, the Sevon Podcast. Tune in, and I can't play with you guys right now on Instagram. Sorry, but I love you guys. Check it out. This is one you guys have been wanting, and I'm scared to do. So log in and watch this shit. Peace. Okay back sorry i will give you my undivided attention that will not happen again miss gordon you deserve better <laughs> so yeah we're, we're pretty locked in but so uh greg my are partner, you following think, the rules well my, so there's a couple loopholes there's the intimate partner loophole which is like huh? you can go and see your intimate partner so they can't really define intimate partner so i think a lot of people tend to break the rules by being like well i'm going to see my intimate partner um, and whether that's a one night intimate partner or it's their, you know, partner for five years, it's like, there's no difference. Uh, so I see my partner and he's in a different area. So I've got his 5k bubble. I've got my. And how many, and how many, Oh, Oh, interesting. Okay. And, and you're saying that you can go see that intimate partner if they're outside of your 5k, 5k bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So you can like, you can travel outside of your 5k if your intimate partner is outside of your 5k or for people that are in rural places, if they can only get access to like groceries and places beyond their 5k bubble, they're allowed to leave it. So there are some kind of like. So they can't really enforce it. You could find a dude who you have an agreement with or, or a chick, I guess it doesn't matter. It can be your intimate partner could be, it just has to be a human, right? on facebook and be like oh yeah this is my intimate partner and here's hey the i'm thing. coming to see what yeah. city do you live in i'm in melbourne 
and the Melbourne, so you could find it. Oh, they do. That makes me happy to hear that. Because yeah. when they show the police doing that shit in the United States, I just think, man, I can't see our police doing that. Yeah, I've spoken to two cops, and they're like, it's it's not why we became cops. Like, it's fucking bullshit. We have so much more important things to be doing. Um, and and the whole like intimate partner thing. It's like, how are we going to even know? Like, it, it's a rule that's impossible to enforce. Have you had COVID yet? No, it's not. It's not really out there here yet. So, do you actually have COVID right now? Yeah, I got it. Okay. I got it. I'll probably and, be dead. I'll probably so die by the end of the show. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what they're saying. <laughs> Someone actually said it, Craig White. You actually have it. So this is what happened. About a week ago, my kids started getting really sick. And when I mean really sick, like that means like um, they wake up in the morning and their voice sounds funny. And five minutes later, they, they just rage, right? Mm-hmm. So they they like they're they were just sick and, and they, they sleep funny and you set up a humidifier in their room and stuff like that. But my kids are just barefoot and, um, you know, born at home straight out of the vagina, you know, breastfed Wild They're children. Yeah. Just dirt twirlers and, um, never wear shoes. And so basically and, and we didn't, we didn't obey any of the rules here in the United States and since the lockdown and they've just been running wild. And, and my thought was, is like, hey, I want them to get, hurry up and get COVID so that they can build an immunity to it so that they have it their whole life. So they don't have to be, God forbid they get obese, but when they're 80 and obese, if they were, that they don't have to worry about it as much because they've already fought it off once. Mm-hmm. Like kids here who get the chicken pox, right? And, and, the, and we all know the efficacy of the measles vaccine and the chicken pox vaccine. Like these are, these are a joke here in the United States. Like when we have outbreaks, that half the people who get it have had the vaccine. Now, of course, there are great vaccines. The polio vaccines appears to be really good. Smallpox vaccine appears to be really good. Not a leaky mm-hmm. vaccine. But so, um, so then my kids were sick. And then last week, my wife and I got really sick. And like I said, once again, you know, for, for, I, I'm going to say something really pompous here, but it's the truth. By CrossFit standards, sick. That means your sickness sets yeah. in around eight o'clock at night and your throat starts to get sore. Throughout the night, your throat is sore. You wake up a few times. Um, you double down on some vitamin C, vitamin D, you drink extra water. You get up in the middle of the night and pee too many times because you're drinking so much water. You get up at eight o'clock. You feel sick. You have a cup of coffee and you're fine. And you're healthy all day until, yeah. And, yeah. And, <laughs> do you know that kind of sickness? The one that only comes yeah. at night? I've, I've never been proper, like fully sick. I've been, you know, it's like I'm sick, but I still, I still work out and I still, you know, life doesn't really stop. Right, right, right. And so, and, and I've been, I, so, so she was sick for about a week and then we got tested and we, or she, we both got tested and we both tested negative. And it was because our throats were so sore, but we would, had, didn't hear from anyone else that that was one of the symptoms. You know, we always heard other stuff, fever, headache. And then, so like four or five days passed and this morning she woke up and she's like, Hey, hey the weirdest thing just happened. I go, what? She goes, I just, I made a cup of coffee and I couldn't taste it. So I dumped it out. I thought it was a shit cup and I made another cup. I'm like, you wasted a cup of good dudes. Are you kidding me? I was pissed. And um, so she, in these troubled times, man, in these troubled times, you can't be wasting a good cup of co- good dudes. Mm. So um, she, I'm like, well, how's the second cup? She's like, I can't taste it either. And I go, wow. So she went and got tested and she tested positive. So I just assume that that means we all got it. Yeah. Can you taste stuff? Can you smell I stuff? I can. I can. I think I can. I'm drinking a cup of good dudes now. Not smart to do at 8 p.m. Let me see. <laughs> yeah, that's an aggressive move. Yeah, I can. I think I can taste it. I'm more like just a trash compactor. <laughs> I just eat for like comfort. Like I don't even yeah. really taste my food. I'm just like 
get a bag bag of broccoli and a tub of hummus and eat. I love watching uh, three plain brothers and them just eating leaves, leaves and broccoli and whatever. Uh, my my buddy Paul Saladino wouldn't approve, but yeah, I eat a lot of greens. I I, I want to read something to you off of your. We've never met before, right? No, I think we've been close because I've been at the games and I've you know I've been I've been with seminar staff for like seven years. So and I've definitely been to trainer summits that you're at. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've been in the same building a couple times, but that's about it. Uh, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Kate, are, are you still on the L1 team? Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, I mean, seminars are few and far between in Australia right now, but yes, still on staff. So for those of you who don't know, I did 100 podcasts with CrossFit Inc. And in every single one of those podcasts, Masel Menos, I talked about how great the L1 team is. And... Um, it is crazy, crazy valuable for any human being in the world to take that course. It is the operating manual for the human being. Like every single person should take it. And the people who teach that course are out of this world. Not only do they teach you that information, but they share with you the culture of CrossFit. And so like people who haven't taken the L1 or who haven't – like what you can do in, – and, and I love the affiliates. I'm not t- This isn't to dig at affiliates. But what you learn in one year in affiliate, you will learn in two days at an L1. And it's more than just movement. It's more than just nutrition. You will, you will break barriers of comfortability with your movement because these great teachers will, will – they're, they're like um, – I've never said this before. They're like um, midwives. And yeah. for, for those of you who've ever worked with a midwife, what they do is they hold the space for you. And, that, and, and for some people, that's a, it's, it's almost too profound to understand that. But they make it safe for you to learn about your body. And you can take that with you from those two days. And, 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 and uh, Kate is one of those people on that team. And it is I, I think that there are no better trainers in the world. And I think that even people who despise and hate CrossFit know that. I think everyone knows that. It's kind of like people it's kind of like people who hate the military, they still a navy seal walks in the room and they're like yes sir no sir and they know that that's a great human being. So I'm looking at Kate's um she's got at least 3 Instagram accounts and I scrolled all the way to her second post. Her first post is of her brother, which is really sweet. And I scrolled to her second post and it says it's a quote from Calvin Coolidge. I'm going to let Kate talk to you guys. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Calvin Coolidge. When I was in college, I was obsessed at, at 21 years old with sex, like obsessed with just the mechanism and what it was just the, I was obsessed with the obsession. Like I wasn't obsessed with sex. I was obsessed with just the obsession of sex. Like I was just fascinated by just this, this college scene at the university of Santa Barbara. And I wanted to write a book on it. And I used to, and I made all these surveys and I was doing all these like s- studies. And I thought I was like some sort of scientist and it was funny. And, and during my, during my, research and I never wrote the book, I, I came across uh, uh, something called the Coolidge effect. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. And so Calvin Coolidge, the president of the United States, 
he went to one of these huge, huge farms. It was like 50,000 square acres. And he went there with the first lady, Mrs. Coolidge. You know, Calvin Coolidge was the president of the United States, right? Okay. So they went to this, they went to this giant, um, subsidized farm in the United States and they take, and it's 50,000 acres and they take a tour of this farm and the president goes one way and the first lady goes another way. And the president says, um, or so they, um, they take the, they take the first lady and show her the prize rooster of the farm. And the president is off somewhere else. And they said, Mrs. Coolidge, this is our prize rooster. Um, and I forget what the, exactly what it was, but he has sex 500 times a day. And Mrs. Coolidge says, oh, please tell um, the president, show the president this prize rooster and let him know that. So they circle back around and they bring the president, Calvin Coolidge, in. And they said, Mr. President, uh, Mrs. Coolidge wanted us to show you our prize rooster and let you know he has sex 500 times a day. And the president says, with the same chicken? And they said, no, sir, with 500 different chickens. And he goes, oh, make sure you let Mrs. Coolidge know that. That's good. Thank you. Oh, Calvin. <laughs> so what's interesting is this is Kate's second post, and it was made in January 23rd, 2013. And we go forward eight years, and these are my words about what Kate is doing. But some people explore nutrition, and I think Kate has definitely done that. And other people also explore relationships and societal norms and just like she like not trying to find maybe happiness or intimacy in the current paradigm that we've been given but sort of to just to see outside of it and so i think it's i think it's interesting because you flash forward to your most recent post and i like the way you're doing it you're keeping it light but basically, I don't even know how it unfolded, but there's this man you've been dating, right? Yeah. And you're in a open relationship with him, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means exactly. I mean, like all relationships, maybe all relationships are open. Maybe, it's, mean, maybe it should be called an honest relationship. Yeah, I, I think so, right? <laughs> like, we just make up the, we just make up the boundaries. <laughs> right. Um, and, I, and, I, and I just find it fast. How old are you? 31. And, and you've never been married, right? No. No. And you don't have any kids? No. No. Yeah, man. Your 30s are great. You're doing it right. <laughs> you're doing it right. And you're just no, right at the beginning. In a rush. I, never, I never understood people that were in a rush to get to that part of life. I was like, man, no, this stuff's good. This stuff's real good. Um, before, before we get to that, I want, I want to go, go, go back just a little bit more. But, mm. but, but, but we have a good bit of um, are, are you You're born and raised in Australia? Born in New Zealand, so grew okay. up in New Zealand. Uh, I was in the U.S. for a little while. I went to UC Irvine and then uh, Australia for the past seven years. Okay, so you're a New Zealander. Mm-hmm. And is your family still there? Yeah. And, and why did you move to Australia? Uh, work. I actually got fired. I got fired from my job. I was working at CrossFit New Zealand. We had a fallout. I got fired. Uh, and then I started working for a guy who was on seminar stuff as well. He ran a gym out of Brisbane. And just was like, screw it, I'm going. Wow. And um, is, is CrossFit New Zealand still around? Yeah, yeah, they actually are. Wow. How stoked are they that they got that name? Yeah. <laughs> that, would ne- that would never happen anymore. I don't think they allow that. No. 
and and so you come and so you come to Brisbane and you never go back. Are your parents still in New Zealand and your brother and your dad? And yeah, yeah. So every, all my family's in New Zealand, but I mean, it's like a, it's a two hour flight. It's really not that far. It's like, it's like living in San Fran and my family are in San Diego almost. Do you plan on going back to New Zealand? You know, I thought about that. Um, and maybe I would, you know, just because I, I would, I, the draw card of being with my family is strong. Point Potentially. And, and they don't have a lot of presence on your Instagram outside of this post and a post with your dad because you're not, you're not home. No, I've seen them. I, I was lucky enough to see them in between a small like break in our lockdowns. But otherwise, we're not even allowed to travel to New Zealand at the moment. Wow, that's so – that's – man. Okay, so, so – and, and now where are you working? So I was at uh, CrossFit 1010, which is a really cool little small affiliate in uh, about an hour south of Melbourne City. I was coaching at Reebok CrossFit Frankston as well for a little while with Rob Forte. Um, and now I'm mostly online. Like I have to say with obviously, they pushed me to just play online thing. And it's been pretty awesome to be. Is, is it scary trying to make ends meet there? Uh, you know what? I think I'm, uh, you know, having a following on social media, man, it, it's, I would have never guessed in 2013 when I started posting that, like it would have resulted in so many people being like, Hey, I like you. I want to follow you. Tell me more. Um, but they completely support me like completely. Um, I think without that kind of social media following, I, I don't think it would be possible, but yeah, no, I'm good. Online has been and, great. And what do you mean they support you? Meaning like you, you sell your services? Like yeah, on, all my online. clients, all my clients come through Instagram, 100% of my clients. Holy cow. And what's the name of your business? So I'm running CFK programming, which is individual like at home training and affiliate programming. Uh, and then I've just started CFK nutrition. So basically it's like one-on-one. I guess you guys have the equivalent of like WAG in, this, in America. It's kind of similar to that similar format where it's like you get a coach and your coach hangs out with you and helps you just figure out the food thing to get your food and your training on track. And it's kind of where the magic happens. Right. And, um, it's, it's interesting that you do that all online. How long have you been doing that? Uh, the CFK programming, I've been programming for people online for about 18 months. And then the nutrition stuff, my particular business for about a month, (laughs) it's brand spanking you. Some people would say that how vulnerable you've made yourself in the topics you're talking about, you know, like, um, food, menstrual cycles, just, just, I, I guess I want to say an a human anatomy. Some people would say that, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that if you want to grow a business. And I'm guessing that maybe you've shown them, Hey, it's the exact opposite. That's true. Do you know, like, I feel like there's something to having a niche market where people that, can see your, your authenticity. It's like, that's a really attractive thing to have. So I think my stance has always been, if people don't want to see my shit, then good. I don't want to work with them. If that, if they're not aligned with me, then like, cool, don't follow me. Don't jump on board. Like, but man, I'm going in a really good direction and you can be part of that or you, you don't have to be like, I'll never force anyone to fucking do my shit. Um, so I think it's, it's like a filtering process. Yeah, I fully get that. And what's the split? Uh, that's kind of just that. That's kind of the beginnings of CrossFit was like that. Also, um, what is the what is the uh, split of your men and women? So it used to be more men than women. About about maybe not by much. Maybe like fifty five to sixty percent men. 
Uh, and that was when I was posting a lot more just like training stuff, like just like workout videos and like, hey, here I am, and like a crop top and fucking lifting barbells. But more recently, it's become a, just swung slightly towards the other way. So like 55% woman now or even closer to, yeah, 60% woman. And do you think that's just random or do you think it's, it's more because of your attentiveness to things that might appeal to women? Oh, it's been in the last couple of years that I've been talking more about like eating and nutrition and talking about periods and, and sex and relationships it just is naturally something that I think women are particularly drawn to. Um, the I used to bring up girls' periods, not nearly the um, with the class that you bring it up. Not that I brought it up in an unclassy way, but um, on the CrossFit podcast, I spoke about it with a, a lot of different women, and mm -hmm. it, it, it ended up being uh, part of my demise, the conversation I had with uh, Stacey Tovar about it, which is just which is crazy because then I had her on this podcast and within the first 10 minutes she brought up her period. So, but what are you going to do? It um, needs to be talked about. It needs to be. It just, yeah. It's not, it's, it's even, it's even a little more strange than that. It's like, it not only does it need to be talked about it, it, it doesn't need to be talked about as something that doesn't need to be talked about. Yeah. <laughs> do, yeah. do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> like, like it's not a, it's not a big deal. It's, yeah. it's like, it's, it, it's, 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 uh, it's like peeing and pooping and, and spitting and breathing and periods Just and like being a human almost. Yeah. The, like, these right? are, these are autumn. These are automated things. No one has control. No one yeah. has control over your digestion or your period or your, you know, um, when, when will things, um, get back to normal for you? When, when, when will you, or do you have any idea when you'll start being on the L1 tour again? Well, I'm if I can get into a different state, it looks like they're running seminars in Queensland. So they're pretty open at the moment. So Queensland is kind of the place to be for seminars. Um, I did get a couple in this year. But, um, yeah, we're, they're not looking to open up Victoria until it's like 70% vaccinated. And that's, that's saying the end of this month. But, um, I mean, with the rate that they've been doing lockdowns, it's like you, you just can't fucking trust anything they say about, you know, when they're going to open or, or whatever's going to happen. So. And, and even if, let's say they even get to 100% vaccinated, if one person there gets COVID, then your shit gets all tossed up again? <laughs> yeah, it just, the it's really funny. I think you guys have probably experienced the same thing with different states making different decisions around how they deal with it. Um, and, and we've just got the one guy who likes to be the, the guy that makes really tough decisions for everybody. And he's just like, it's hard for him, but he's just the hero and, and someone's got to do it. Like that's the kind of life that you get from him. Um, so he kind of loves the, the harsh rules and the harsh lockdowns and just being like, this is, this is the sacrifices we've got to make. Meanwhile, you know, he's fine working and continuing to do what he does and provide for his family. But right. You, there's a crazy lady over there, an Armenian lady. Gladys. I'm pretty sure it's Gladys. She, she, her, her last name starts with a B. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what her full name is, but yeah. She looks Armenian. She got the nose and the black hair. Yeah. She's thin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a fucking nut job. <laughs> she is a nut job, man. It sucks that she's Armenian. I'm Armenian. Yeah. So I'm just like, hey, man, you're, 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 you're. I mean, not really. I'm just a person, but. It's funny because from where I'm standing, looking at New South Wales, she's actually someone who recently has said things like, hey, when we're 70% vaccinated, if you don't want to go somewhere where people that are unvaccinated are eating, then you don't need to eat out. 
So like she's been. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Good, good. It's been interesting. Like she's kind of, it's almost, and I'm, I'm, I'm not following it super closely. I'm definitely not an expert, but it seems like she's letting things go a little bit because the reality is that we're, it's going to be endemic and we're going to have to deal with this and, and lockdowns aren't really, aren't really stopping an airborne virus anytime soon. So what's that mean? It's endemic. Uh, endemic meaning that it's just part of the part of the population. So um, when it's pandemic, it's like it's an epidemic that becomes like worldwide or global and endemic meaning it's just part of, of life. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. How come I don't know that? I do know it's just part of life. You know, a big word that says it all. I just tell people so many people know, Hey man, this is just a part of life. This is just yeah. the way it's going to be. Yeah. I love how good our uh, reception is. Usually when I talk to people overseas, there's a small delay, but other than that, this is, this is working. Um, did you, in the picture I used of you, um, for the, um, to show that you're coming on the show, mm. I, there was this thing, the menstrual cup. Yeah. Tell me about the menstrual cup. So basically the menstrual cup is like, so women typically use tampons or pads, which is right. like, you go through a million of them because you have to constantly reuse them. Um, so Savon, the will you cup, run in the store and get me some tampons? Sure. Whatever yeah. you want, babe. I yeah. got <laughs> so the menstrual cup is something that you can use for like 10 years something that you just um, sterilize by like boiling it in water and you literally stick it in your vagina. It pops open and it catches all of the blood. So you just empty it out whenever you need to and then put it back in. Is it good? It's fucking like it's re- amazing. Like it's, it's reliable? So it, oh, yeah. It's a good it's catcher? Really good. You gotta, you, it takes a little while to get used to it because you have to position it around the cervix properly. You have to get in far enough. So it's like it's, there's an application. There's a skill to the, like getting it in. But um, it's, you know, when you've been using stuff that you have to go through a million of, you're always carrying them. It's like, and, you know, like this has happened around the globe, I'm pretty sure. In every, you know, like we used to do in the gym, in school, like in all workplaces, women have to like trade like tampons or pads if they've forgotten their own. And it's like this secret thing. But um, you just don't have to like worry about having extras or spares. It's like you have a cup and you just like I have two and I just rotate them. I would always, if I was a girl, I would always like, I would always have pads around, like in every glove compartment. Would you be a, you'd be in a my, pad girl? Well, I don't know. I would just have them as just backup. They were whatever. Yeah. They would all, they would be everywhere. They would yeah. like, like I have friends who are paranoid of like intruders. And so they have guns placed all mm-hmm. over their house. If I was a girl, I would be like, Hey, I'm just going to have pads. Like they would be everywhere. I mean, it'd be like having kids. Like you'd have diapers always, right? Yes. We have wipes everywhere. We have wipes, wipes in every yeah. car. Yeah, you have, you have like, backup yeah. wipes. Yes, yes. So you so when you first start using the menstrual cup, do you still put a pad in just in case it leaks while you're, while you're, while you're learning? No. The... I mean, look, if somebody had like a really heavy flow and it was positioned incorrectly, like, oh, I might get a bit messy. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I'm like, look, if it gets a little messy, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. But, um, yeah, you could potentially use a pad still or even like – Fuck, there are some really cool things coming out, like period underwear, where they have like underwear with a built-in um, like pad almost, and you can reuse them and, and wash hey, them. Hey, duh, stuff. right? Yeah, yeah, right? Um, and, and this um, this menstrual cup, do you ever forget that it's in you? Because I know like, I know that's yeah, a, that's a thing with you tampons, girls. Like, you, can, you can forget that stuff. Like tampons, cups, like you could potentially forget it. I, my brain doesn't work like that. Like I know my brain's like, it knows that I'm put that in and I'm not going to forget that. But, um, yeah, it's something that like, cause you guys, you guys get like weird about that shit. Is it in there? Is it not in there? I can't feel it. I'm freaking out. Is it in there? I'm not sure if it's in there. You Where's can't the collar? Did you That's got the collar? Yeah. Oh, okay. But you can't yeah. So it. can you lose it? <laughs> 
okay, you would not be able to lose it. Like it would be physically impossible to be lost forever, but you can have a hard time getting it out. And yeah. man, I've heard some funny stories. Like I had a friend. <laughs> Why couldn't you tie a string to it? I no, had Noah Olsen on and they put some, I had Noah Olsen on and they put something in his, uh, his penis got damaged. Did you, did you see that? Hear no, that by any chance? I, I, should... I used to work with Noah. I used to coach him. Yeah, if there's one man in this planet who does not deserve to have his penis hurt, it's Noah Olson. It's, it's weird him. that it would happen yeah. to him. But he had his penis damaged, and he had to have like a stint or something put in his penis. Mm. And um, they had left a string hanging out. Yeah. Why couldn't you tie like a string like um, uh, to the end of the, the menstrual, menstrual cup, period cup, menstrual yeah, cup? Yeah, menstrual cup, cup. Yeah, yeah, you could probably, but some of them just have a longer like tail, like the actual silicon tail is longer, which is mm -hmm. effective. But like when you when you figure it out, it, it's really easy. It's a combination of like kind of pressing down to like push down your pelvic floor, and it kind of pushes it out, and you get enough like grip on it to tug it out. All right, if you say so. But I know you guys trip on losing shit in there. Um, <laughs> whenever I see a, um, what are the what are the what are the ones with the strings that get all bloody? The, like the cotton. Those are tampons. 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 Mm -hmm. Whenever I see one of those, I always think it's a dead mouse. Is that weird? Do you ever think of no, it? No, I kind of think I kind of agree. Yeah. You do. Like yeah, if I see one in the trash can or something in my bathroom, I'll be yeah. like, I mean, I know it's not, but I just think, oh, is that a dead mouse? It's got a tail. What the fuck? It's got a tail. It's all <laughs> fucked up. It's like, like, looks like it got, like the head got caught in the, <laughs> yeah. the mousetrap. And I always it's think, this is why I didn't want to do this show. This is why, like, I'm having issues, you guys. <laughs> all right, Sevon, are you cold? No, I'm not cold. I'm sweating. I'm uncomfortable because I'm afraid, like, if the premise of the show is that I have to give a little bit more than the guest so that the guest feels comfortable giving more. But like, mm -hmm. this isn't an area where I want to give too much because like I'm married now and I got like kids, but like I'm <laughs> fucked. It's doomed. It's who, it's who I am. Would you, would you date a guy who is weaker than you? Are you a relationship I expert? I kind of do. I kind of do. I'm a, oh. I'm, I'm a relationship expert on myself. Okay. Argue. Uh, say, say that again. I'd, I'd, I'd argue that I'm a relationship expert on myself with, right. with almost everything, you know, when it comes to like food and training and people ask me a lot of fucking questions, but I'm like, look, I can tell you everything I know about myself, but how it applies to you might be different. Okay. Okay. I get that. And but when, when I hear you say you're a relationship expert on yourself, I also get it that you have the meditative capabilities to watch yourself perform in this world. You mean like someone who's self-aware? Yeah, like you're you're as you're opening, you open the fridge at eleven thirty, and you pull out cottage cheese, and then you start putting honey in it, and as you're eating it, you're kind of having this out of body experience, going, "You dumb fuck." <laughs> You dumb fuck. What are you doing? And Everybody then, yeah. does that, don't they? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they do that. I don't know. I don't know if they if they if they if they watch themselves or they they know um they know that they are not you you know that you are not your thoughts. Are you aware of that? Yes and no. But, like the, I, I but that you're personally really responsible? Okay. Yeah, like I can't right. be really self aware. And then there are other times where I, I'm I can't separate myself from my of course. Yes, 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 of course. Um, so, um, so you are stronger than your current boyfriend? Uh, look, in some things, yes. Some, some other things, no. So like just straight up powerlifting, like squat, 
deadlift press, he's stronger, but I'm stronger than him. And yeah, in, in our Olympic lifts, I'm pretty sure I'm stronger. Uh, I, I mean, like, um, let, let me just, like, could you date a guy who had like, um, could you date a, a, a tennis player? Yeah. yeah, no problem. I mean, he's he's yeah. got a he's got a hundred and twelve pound bench press for three reps. Um, he's got really big quads. He's got um, <laughs> he's six four hundred and fifty one pounds after he eats dessert. I mean, that's okay. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter to you. I don't. I, I, it's not that you know there are things that just don't matter because I think you know physical attractiveness or or not necessarily um, stereotypical attractiveness, but being attracted to someone is it's something that is generally required. Um, but the thing with me is I kind of have to go into any relationship assuming I'm probably stronger because yeah. I lift a lot of weight pretty regularly and I've been doing it for 10 years. So yeah. most, most people aren't cleaning and jerking like 110 kilos or what is that? Um, fuck. What is that in pounds? I don't know what that is in pounds. 250. 2.2 times 110. Let's say yeah. 250. Do the math. So, someone will do, someone will do the math in the comments. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I can probably snatch and clean it up more than most guys, unless there's someone who specifically trains in CrossFit or weightlifting. So it's, and your strict muscle up is crazy. Yeah, I love, you know what I have, I have been gifted with broad, strong shoulders that I hated when I was younger. And now I'm just like, man, this has made my whole CrossFit career. It's, it's, I'm not normal and I, and I understand that, but it was always weird to me that like someone wouldn't want to be with a woman who is stronger than them or wouldn't want to be with a woman who made more money to them. Or it was always weird to me. Like when guys would be like, Hey, I like girls with, I, I like girls with red hair or I like black chicks or I like chicks with big butts because I was always the kind of person who just knew what I didn't want. Yeah. Like the thought of a girl making more money than me sounds great. The thought of a girl being stronger than me sounds fantastic. The thought of, um, uh, banging every ethnicity race, fucking seven feet tall dwarf. It all sounded great to me. I, I just didn't want any, like, um, anyone mean. Mm. I didn't want to have my feelings hurt. And other yeah. than that, like shit, let's do it. I think that's, a, I think it's kind of a, a good approach. You know, I think a lot of people go in with like, when they start dating someone or seeing people that are like, Oh, I want to make sure they have these things and that they check these boxes. And it's like, well, what about the shit you don't want? Do they have those? Yeah. Things? And actually now that I think that you had a post like that, like there's things like you don't talk about what you want. You, you show the things that you don't want. Yeah. Well, that's something that I feel like from having previous relationships and like dating people, I'm like, I come out of each relationship being like, okay, I've learned some things about what I really don't fucking want. And then I know some things that I'm like, cool, I, I kind of like that. I might take that from this. So yeah, you end up with like a, I don't want this. I definitely don't want that. I'm not looking for this. I don't want to repeat that bullshit. I want to do something that goes in another direction. I, I, I'm 49 and I've been with my wife forever now. Right. Like I, it took me, like I wrote a screenplay. It's called five years to fornication. And it's a, it's the five years that it took me to, to get her, to get her, to be naked with her and bone her. Right. And like, actually nothing happened for the first five years. It was nuts. It was nuts. She had a boyfriend. We were friends. Yeah. She had a boyfriend. I had a girlfriend. I had girlfriends and she like, and I would try to make the move on her and she'd be like, Hey, what are you fucking stupid? I got a boyfriend. (laughs) Like, you know. And, uh, and we worked together. We worked together for five years in our 20, and I was in my, we were in our twenties. Um, but when I was, man, there's a lot of things to unpack here that I want to ask you about. 
there was a time in my life where I, I had lots of girlfriends and I, and I, and I was, I, I wasn't dishonest about it, but I didn't hide it. So like, I can remember like being in college and being at a sandwich joint with one girlfriend. And then my other girlfriend walks up and be like, Oh, Hey, would you like to join us? And then another girl walks up and I'm like, Oh, Hey, would you like to join us? And it just, shit's just getting weird, but I'm kind of enjoying how weird it's getting. Right. Mm. But like now it's not like that. I don't know. I think I really, go ahead. What say it again. Hookup culture on campus. Like I I think that's still a thing. Uh, I mean, you mean that people are just, but I, but, but but I, but I never thought people were cool with it. I like, I like, it, it, they weren't just hookups. Like I, I never had one night stands. Mm. They, they were like intimate, like there were relationships I tried to maintain. Mm. I, I think that definitely, I think that's unique for sure. I even think like, you know, you're like, Oh, it's not like that anymore. But I'm, I'm thinking that even back then it probably wasn't like that. I think. No, no, weird. no, sorry. I don't mean it's not like that anymore in the world. I mean, it's not like that anymore with me. Oh, with you. <laughs> like something, yeah, yeah. Ha- if you were to ask me 20 years ago, Hey, would you, would you be, um, Oh, oh, a one woman man, I would have said no fucking way. Yeah. And now if my wife died, I just, I, I, I think of myself as becoming a monk. I have no interest mm. in other, like mm. so you women, you other women now are just like flowers that other bees. I mean, yeah. I like, I like them, but other bees pollinate them. Yeah. Like, you said that you get like quite obsessive with things, right. And you're obsessed with sex. Like I'm kind no, of uh, not obsessed with, uh, not, I wasn't obsessed with sex. I was obsessed with the obsession of sex. Yeah. Okay. Does that, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was more interested. It's. But in, t- in, in like your nature as a person is you become obsessed with things. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. But so, I was never really obsessed with sex. Like I, I guess, you know what I mean? Like I, like yeah, I don't need yeah, to watch yeah. porn every day or I don't need yeah. to bone every day. I've never yeah. been like that guy. Yeah. So I think like for me, because I, I'm similar, I become super fixated on things and become like, I call myself an obsessive person because right. I, I take it to, you know, to a, a, an extreme point. But um, I think for myself, when I've been like, when I am saturated with something and I really enjoy it and I become obsessed about it, there comes a time where I'm, I'm kind of no longer obsessed about it. And I'm like, I feel like I've done that. I filled that void or I filled that gap and I've, I've gotten all the information and I've done all the learning and growing. And then I kind of moved to a new season or a new phase of life. Uh, but but the two things that you have chosen are like are are pretty eternal things. Hey, do you think that we're obsessed because we're searching for God and everything? We want to drill down to like to see the atoms, to see the God and everything. And I use the word God very broadly. Yeah, it sounds like a Jordan Peterson question. <laughs> Maybe I think we're searching for. A- I don't know. I think, you know, like my stance is that I'm not searching and I, I don't like people who are like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I need to find myself. I'm like, no, man, you just need to decide what you want to be and go and do that thing. Like I've never been someone who's like, I'm going to go find my purpose. I'm like, no, the purpose is to give yourself purpose. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm looking for answers. I feel like I'm looking for information because information is exciting and interesting. Right. And things that I obsess about. I love. Um, do you know what you want to be? No, oh. I mean, I really enjoy what I'm like, be like in terms of like, I've never known what I want to be like the, mm-hmm. like I, I'm a father. Like I never wanted to be like, uh, like all these people are like, I'm a, I'm a movie director or I'm a fireman or I'm a lawyer or I want to be a doctor. Like I never knew the only thing that I've ever felt like the only thing I've ever become is um, that I'm comfortable with is a father. 
Mm. Like if someone asked me, are you a father? I'd be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dad. I fully have embraced that. But all the other shit, and I'm trying to embrace the podcast thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking embrace the shit out of it. But um, yeah, but I'd never have known what I want to be. But I thought you said you that people should know what they want to be and they should pursue that. Or did I misunderstand that? I don't think it's like a, hey, you should know. I think it's like a, you get to decide and you can make your mind up and you can go charge towards that rather than letting, waiting for something to come and find you. It's like, hey, you, you can control that. Um, it's up to you. Did you know you wanted to be on the L1 team? No, I had a friend tell me. She was like, man, I just did the L1. You were one of those trainers. You got to go and do it. And I was like, that's really fucking cool. That was one of the biggest compliments I've ever been given. I was like, I'm going to do that. Wait, so had you taken your L1 when the person told you that? Yeah, I had. I'd taken my L1. So I was coaching in a tiny little gym that doesn't unfortunately exist in LA. Uh, And she was like our front desk girl. And she went and did her L1 and came back and was like, man, that was unreal. Oh, my God, you should be one of those trainers. And that was was what set me off that path. Okay. and And how long before had you done your L1? Um, probably about a year prior. I've been coaching for about eight months. And and when you took your L one, what was your do you who were your trainers at your L one? So it was it was actually in New Zealand. It was when I was on a little hiatus in New Zealand. So I had Boz Boz was living in Australia at the time. So I had Boz. I had uh, pretty much the whole Australian team. So I had Doug Armstrong. I had uh, Danny Mella. <clears throat> I had uh, Stacy, who's no longer in stock with us. Um, and I had. Did you have Lillian or, or Matt Swift? No, Swifty wasn't on it and Lily wasn't on it, but later on. Swifty. 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 He became my training partner before uh, he went to the Hesticken games. So we trained for a year together and that was like the best fucking year ever. Yeah. Is Matt Swift the greatest trainer who's ever walked on the planet? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's the greatest fucking human who's ever walked on the planet. He's, I love Swifty. He's the best. He is truly, truly remarkable. Is he still? Mm. I, I know his wife was sick. Is 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 that better? And is he? And so he I was kind it, of. I think it was his wife's mother. Okay. So they were they moved to the sunny coast in Queensland. So they were in Brisbane. They sold CrossFit Brisbane. Um, moved to the sunny coast. So they're living in beautiful, like surfy town called Noosa. Um, they were living with or close by to yeah his wife's mother. So I think that that might be who you're thinking of. Okay, sorry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be digging into his. I should just have him on the show and ask him. You absolutely should, man. He he's the best. I hate to say it, but that's great. You look amazing, Sevon. What I look amazing that I've had COVID. Sorry, I just read, <laughs> I'm reading one of the comments here. Oh my goodness. Um, I wonder. I wonder if um, if we some some shows we do live call-ins. You're the kind of person. We've never done a live call-in show where we have guests. It's usually I have James Hobart on. Oh, James Hobart yeah. had lots of nice things to say about you. Uh, he's the best. We've worked together a couple times. He's fun. Yeah. He said you were amazing. Anyway, we have this show with where we allow live callers to call in. I should have allowed people to call in so people could so – we'll, we'll have you back on and people can ask their questions yeah. about the mental I'd love cup. to know what people would ask. <laughs> okay. So um, – so she t- when you take your L1, did you think for a second that, oh my goodness, I, I will, one of these days I'm going to be these people, or that didn't even enter your mind, or did you think no. they were amazing, or what did you think? So I took the L1 not because I wanted to become a trainer. I'd been doing CrossFit for like, I think I'd been doing CrossFit for about five or six months at the time. And this was when like you couldn't get onto L1s, especially not in New Zealand. They were sold out for months. 
Um, I think it's a little easier now. Well, I mean, I'll take that back as a lockdown, but one of the guys on my affiliate, he pulled out last minute and I was like, I, I hammered seminars and was like, Hey, I need the spot. Give me the spot. And uh, so I jumped on last minute and it was just one of those experiences where it was so logical. It fucking blew me away. And I remember being like, man, why, <laughs> why did it, why has no one told me this before? Uh, it was so good. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even really plan on being a coach. I definitely didn't plan on being one of the seminar staff people. I think the only thing I went in thinking was I'm going to get my first muscle up at my L1. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> they pulled out the strict muscle up and I was like, I am not going to get my first muscle up today. <laughs> oh, you didn't get it? No, hell no. I was miles away. You have a, you have really do have an amazing strict muscle up. I got my um, first muscle up at the L1. Um, oh, Greg nice. Yeah, Greg Amundsen and Eddie Lugo and Nicole Carroll helped me get it. And um, I never, I still to this day, just never, I just don't do kipping muscle ups. Yeah, I just do yeah. strict muscle ups. I mean, I have a little bit of a kip, but you know what I mean. I don't do the. Have you ever done a strict bar muscle up? I have. That was a novel. That took me so long to learn. I think it I've took done me. I, I, I did. I haven't done a lot of them. I did a lot of negatives. Yeah, that's, uh, that's sh- great. Like Anyone what are learning those? pulling movements. Muscle ups, negatives is the best. How, yeah. How did you learn your, your strict bar muscle up? Uh, so I did a lot of hanging. And so I used to get uh, like trigger balls, like lacrosse balls and mm-hmm. hang and false grip just to get used to hanging because it was so uncomfortable. So I'd hook a ball over the bar and just hang and do like Tabata hang. And I yep. used to do that on the rings as well. I used to hang in false grip just because the, the hanging was so hard. And like now it's like I love hanging. Uh, and then, yeah, I, th- I did a lot of strict pulling I don't know if I did that many negatives because I kind of, I kind of, I think I had the strength that was just that last little pull to just get your torso in the right position and to kind of like throw, like, get, just get over that little bit. And then I was golden. Um, but yeah, I just did a lot of strict chest to bar or chest to like, it was my belly button to bar. And then uh, once I got the position, it was, it was kind of, you kind of fall over at the top of the bar. Yeah, it's nuts. I, I actually never thought I was going to get it and, it, and it and it wasn't pretty. I should have never let it go. Yeah, I I, I don't know if I could. I'm going to have to test it. I'm going to have to try try to see if I can do them. So I um I with my kids, I have them do tons of jumping bar muscle ups, mm-hmm. and I never see anyone else do those. Maybe it's because there aren't bars low enough. And then after that, I have them do like a hundred. You know, I do like ten and raise the bar, ten raise the bar, ten raise yes. the bar. Then usually when when my my six year old gets to the top, he can usually do one strict. That's legit. Yeah, yeah. I've trained a ton of people to do jumping ring muscle ups. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, you just have the rings at like forehead height, and you just practice jumping into it. And the trick is like you know you can't turn them out. You've got to actually do it as if you're doing a muscle up and keep the rings close. But it's yeah, jumping muscle up, jumping pull ups. I feel like people don't really use those. No, people should use those. Those are brutal. Yeah. (laughs) Those, those are, those are, are, are are really crazy brutal. Okay. So we talked about the menstrual cup. Um, you can just buy those online. Yeah. They're expensive, but I mean, relative to buying tampons for like 20, 30 years, it's like they're they're very cheap. Liberating or pain in the ass? Pain in the ass initially, like anything is a pain in the ass initially. And then it's fucking the best. It's so convenient. I, I, hmm. Is it, is it all you use? Do you use it exclusively? Uh, I only don't use it if I just don't have it on me, which is like if I'm traveling or like, you know, randomly if I'm, if I'm at my partner's house or something, it's like, how about swimming? Yeah, we're at swimming. 
Working out. Yeah, we're at working out. Everything. Yep, everything. Um, tell me about this uh, thermometer. Yeah. Um, what so, I, I always called it the the Catholic girl method, but you had a different word for it. The Catholic where you, where you, girl method. Yeah. <laughs> so I use the symptothermal method, which is basically say that word. Say that one more time. Symptothermal method. So okay. I'm tracking a few different things to track my, basically to track, people use it to track fertility. Okay. Um, but what I do for birth control is rather than figure out when I'm fertile, I just establish when I'm not fertile. Right. So women, women are fertile for such a small period, like small phase in their period that it's like, if you can figure when that out, when figure out when that is, you don't need to necessarily worry about protection or at least not the risk of falling pregnant outside of that window. So it's just a matter of establishing, hey, when does that window occur? And you can do that by tracking your basal body temp because what happens is- And what does that mean, basal body temp? So it's your temperature. It's your temperature. And I should really find out the exact definition of it, but it's like, it's your body temperature and basal, I think means, I need need to Google that, but it's like you take your temperature during the night or first thing in the morning before you've gotten out of bed. So it's not during the day when you've been running around. It has to be first thing in the morning before you even sit up out of bed. Um, I actually have a wearable thermometer that just tracks it for me during the night. I don't even worry about it. Where do you wear it? It's in my armpit. So it has a little like sensor in my like kind of in between my um, bicep and my it's like right on the on the vein. I can't remember what the vein is, but uh, it sits there with a little strap. It's kind of like a it's like a whoop band, but it's it's worn around it my like in my above my bicep. A whoopie. Do you wear a whoopie? I actually do. Yeah. And I've heard that they're bringing out temperature tracking, which could mean that anyone who has a whoop could track their basal body temp, which would help them figure out roughly when their ovulation happens. If you're hoping to get pregnant, you can use the basal body temperature method to determine the best days to have sex. Similarly, if you're hoping to avoid pregnancy, you can use the basal body temperature method to figure out which days to avoid unprotected sex. It it doesn't make you nervous? So here's the thing. If you're only using basal body temperature... Uh-huh. It's it's going to give you a, a really rough estimation, and it's not going to be accurate enough. So, in conjunction with basal body temperature, sympathermal method uses some other like little track like metrics, I guess. So it's also cervical fluid. So like cervical fluid or cervical mucus is the same thing. Um, it's basically discharge. So it's like throughout this throughout the month, according to what your hormones are doing, the t- consistency and the texture of the discharge will change. So anytime your estrogen is higher, it becomes more clear and egg white. So it literally, like for anyone who's looking to start tracking, you just have to look for egg white cervical mucus, like in your underwear or on, to- on toilet paper, and you'll know that your estrogen is increasing. So it will happen generally right before ovulation. Wow. It's insane. It's so fucking cool. Like you, there's this. So whole- a, that's, the, that's the second data point. Temperature, discharge. Yep. Temperature, um, which increases uh, after you've ovulated. So progesterone increases, which increases your temperature. So when you see an increase, you can confirm ovulation. Cervical fluid will go egg white right before ovulation or right around ovulation. And what it does is it just makes it easier for the sperm to get to the egg. Um, So you'll see egg white, cervical mucus. And then the last thing is cervix position. So your cervix position will drop up and down throughout the month. So right when you ovulate, it's generally lower. And then same thing when you get your period, it's lower and your cervix is closed. So you can figure out how high your cervix is, and judging off that, that will give you an indicator of whether you're ovulating or not. And you want the cervix open to get pregnant? Uh, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't track that, though. I just track, like, where it is. 
I know. I just wanted to say that because you said it. I just wanted to say <laughs> something. Um, uh, do you feel yourself um, ovulate? I, occasionally, yes. It's, it just depends. Like some months you can tell, and I'll have like a little bit of like a little pain on one side. But I'm like, I think I'm literally like today I'm ovulating. I always, whenever my wife tells me that, oh, I feel myself ovulating, I just, I, it's, it's, it's maybe like the, one of the only times that I, I get jealous, like, oh, I really want to feel what that feels like. Because I just picture it like, just like, like a little pebble rolling down the side of a hill. <laughs> but, you know, like just the egg, like just rolling. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, just, but just like rolling slowly down the side, <laughs> just waiting for some sperm. I'm like, oh my God, that must be so amazing to feel that. And, and, um, and and what what about um, uh, venereal diseases and stuff? I guess you have your your you, you if you're going to do that you you get your your you get checked. You have your partner. Yeah, checked. you get your yeah you get your shit checked pretty regularly. So especially because we have an open relationship, it's like we get checked. We use protection with other people. It's like it, you have to be smart. You know, it's like you're smart with sex and with my partner. It's like we basically have a ten day window where we. Am I, I don't know if this is too much information, but a 10 day window where he cannot finish inside me. And then outside of that, good to go. Golden. Be, uh, and that 10 day window is to be safe about getting yeah, pregnant. Yeah, so that's my fertile window. Yeah. So my fertile window is about 10 days. It, yeah, like it used to be more like 11, 12. I've gotten it down to about 10 where I'm, I'm accurate with it. Um, and then outside of those days, yeah, fine. You're not fertile. Uh, oh, um, how, how, how many days is a woman really fertile? Is she only fertile for two days? And the, and hours. The, oh, so those other Five. nine days are just padding yeah. for, for no, your own so psychological relief. Is, yeah. So 24 hours is generally, it's like 12 to 24 hours. The egg is actually alive before it begins to disintegrate. But sperm can live inside you for like five days. And then the exact day that I ovulate, it can be a little bit hit or miss. So I give myself a few more days after that. Um. I'll, I'll tell you a story that I probably shouldn't tell. So when, when my wife and I used to always use protection and then mm -hmm. she, and then she, she was uh, 39 or something. I was 43 and she's yeah, like, and we, we, kids quite late. Hey. Yeah. We, we, we were never going to get married and we were never going to have kids mm. ever, ever, ever. That would like people who got married, that was just your tool of the man and kids are for fools. And then we started hanging out with some people who were like breastfeeding and we were hanging out also with some people that like, I never thought in a million years and she never thought in a million years could raise a kid. Right. So my wife is like, she's seeing other women breastfeed and then she's seen these other people like, you know, raise a kid who she didn't think can do it. Is that a reusable bottle? Yeah. It's soda stream. Oh, that's a nice bottle. Um, and so she just said to me one day, Hey, I want to have a kid. And I'm like, sure. Whatever. Okay. Let's have a kid, you know? And <laughs> so whatever. she, um, she ended up getting pregnant and it was just crazy. Cause like all of a sudden after like basically 15 or 20 years of having sex, just all of a sudden now we never needed protection. You know, what's crazy is my, when I told my mom, we were trying to have a kid. My mom started like sending me advice on how to have a kid. I'm like, how mom, no. Sex? Yeah. Just like, like the time and like, yeah, she started giving me like advice on it. Shit. Anyway, was there weird it. stuff where it's like, once the sperm's inside, you have to sit in a particular way to make sure that it stays. I, I don't even remember. Else? I think I just blocked it all out. I just remember saying, mom, no, no, no. Be cool. Just be cool. Buy diapers or something. So, so she, so we, so we have the kid and it's like, you know, the whole time they're pregnant, you can, you're having sex. And then, mm. then just like, just it's, it's game on. It's like, holy wow. shit. I couldn't believe it. It was the, it was the best two years of my life. 
And then she, when she, the baby was getting older and her period came back, she, w- w- we were having sex one night and she's like, hey, I, you got to be careful. I'm ovulating. I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then the next night we're having sex and I let one fly in her. And she, she goes, what the fuck did you just do? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, I told you I was ovulating. I go, that was last night. <laughs> and then, bam, we have twins. So now we have three kids. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys have three kids. Hey. Yeah. Here it is. It takes one day, literally. If you get the right day, the, the right window. Wow. So that's amazing. Mm. That's really amazing. And I don't know if you knew this, but so she has twins and we don't have twins in the family. And someone told us, and I think we verified it through Google or something, um, that women who are over 35 start to drop multiple eggs. Oh, interesting. And that might be like an evolutionary thing. Like, yo, bitch, you're old. It's time we're giving you yeah. two. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like we got to make sure this like human rights. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that kind of rocked her. And, uh, um, for like 24 hours, she didn't like that so much. And now, now we wouldn't have it any other way. Now it's just, yeah. 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 Um, do you plan on having kids? Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably in the next three years, three to four years. How come? Uh, I just, I want to have kids. I absolutely yeah. love kids. I want to raise kids. Like, I want to, I actually, you know, thought about adoption as well. But, um, yeah, no, I, I would love to have kids. I, I want to go through that process. Yeah, it's really cool. I just can't imagine wanting them. But they're great. I mean, I highly recommend, like, everyone should have them. But I just yeah. can't imagine, like, it's like one of those things, if you know how hard it is, you might not do it. You know what someone <laughs> said to my wife? Actually, what um, this lady said to my wife, if you don't have kids, you might regret it. If you do have kids, you won't regret it. And then all of a sudden she was like, no more condoms. I was like, all right. <laughs> you know, like that was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, fuck, it's, I, I love this quote and I, I can't remember the name of the guy. I, it's one of the ones that I've posted on Instagram as well. It's uh uh, I think it's Walter or Ralph Walton. Anyway, um, his his letters that he used to write to people were always pretty dark. And one of the letters was to a friend that was like, my my honest and friendly advice is this. Do it or don't do it. You will regret both. Oh, uh, yes. Cool. I saw that in your Instagram. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, 100%. You that guy's name is really hard to say. I can't remember it Ralph either. Ralph something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> In in one of your posts, you talk, you talk about food a lot, and like I don't have a I don't have a healthy relationship with food at all. Like like it's all fucked up. Um, but I accept it. I I, mm-hmm. I fully accept um, that it's fucked up. But one of the things you talk about is not not wanting other people. You were talked about a phase you went through where you didn't want other people to see you eating um, shit. Like so, mm-hmm. like if you were gonna have a piece of cheesecake, you would do it behind closed doors with the lights off. You know what is that thing on your ceiling back there? That black thing. Is that the government oh, it's watching you? It's a speaker. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just checking. <laughs> I'm filming you. <laughs> I'm not worried about me. I'm not worried about me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Maybe that's how you're making your money. That's your um, fans only camera? Yeah. My, my, yeah. That's it. That's God, it. I wish it, I could. It's on my kitchen. That's it's the best spot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, was your was but before we go back to the food thing, was that guy what, what was the, what's the gentleman's name? Have you revealed his name? Yeah, Greg. 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 Um, yeah. Was it hard to get him to be okay with just the way you're allowing this unfold to the world? The reason that we did kind of keep him a little bit secret was that 
I wasn't sure how much I was going to talk about relationships and sex at the time. I, I just started to like break into that. And, and it was just a little bit like, you know, for him, he's in, he works in like the corporate world. And it was like, look, it would potentially be a little risky for you. Probably not for me because I'm, I work for myself, but for you, it could. Um, so we were just like, oh, let's just sit back and just wait. And then I kind of have found a way to talk about a lot of that stuff without just necessarily referring to like my personal experience or us as a couple. So, um, yeah, now he's been like, oh, I really, it's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's fine. And I think there's actually a lot less um, negative like backlash. And maybe it's just because people just unfollow, you know, like I get a lot of unfollows. But, um, yeah, I don't get anything. Me too. I get a lot of unfollows. (laughs) I I think you handle it in a very, um, for lack of a better word, I don't like any of these words, but I'm going to use them anyway. I think you handle it in a very moral high road way with integrity (laughs) and honesty. And there's nothing, um, um, sex culty about it. It's, it's, it's more, it's really along, it's, it's really along the lines of tiptoeing around one of those elimination diets, kind of like, that's what it almost seems with your relationship, you know, elimination diet, you get rid of everything yeah. and then you like maybe add in a little honey and just see how it works. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not like you're like, Hey, let's go do ecstasy and, and lay on the leg and go to the nude beach. And just, it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, th- there's a, Hey, this is like, I'm, I'm exploring, um, intimate relationships. Like, mm tip like it's not i don't see it as uh i don't see it there's no orgy component yeah and i think and i'm not i'm not judging that component but that component is easier to judge well i think that's where people's brains go to you know when you hear like non-monogamy or open relationships you're like oh my god they're kinky and they just have orgies and they go to swingers parties and oh my god yeah yeah and it's like well the reality is is your neighbor is possibly non-monogamous and you just don't fucking know about it right um and i think what's funny and it happened to me you know it's like when you meet people that are in open relationships or non-monogamous or in the sex community it's like you're like oh oh they're normal people oh okay (laughs) yeah that's right just normal people just just enjoy doing these things and like okay cool that's just part of being a human that's right Emotions are really weird. I've, I've used this one on people before. Imagine you were in a relationship with a man for 20 years and it was the happiest. You were so in love with him and you couldn't see your life any other way. And after 20 years, you found out the entire time he was cheating on you. Would you leave him? And every, nine out of 10, 99 out of 100 people to me say yes. And, and I go, but you just told me it was the happiest 20 years mm-hmm. of your life. Because there was something you didn't know about, you're going to throw it all away. Like that, that to me is fucking insanity. That is not, that's not, that is what I call someone who's really immature and doesn't understand relationships. Yeah, I think. Like, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like if the whole time the person, it was a horrible relationship and I just needed the fact that he's been cheating on me or she's been cheating on me for 20 years to leave them, great. But if everything's been great, and then you find out something about someone. There was a Love Boat episode. You might, you probably don't remember the show Love Boat. It's an old show. But um, I, I'll never forget this episode. And there was a guy and he was a postman. And he had retired and he was like 75 years old. And his wife on the cruise, it was, it's like a sitcom drama show. It's an hour long. And on the, on the, on the, like, do you remember Fantasy Island? Yeah, I, I vaguely remember both of those things. Okay. I know all of them. They had Isaac, the, the black bartender. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so, um, so she says to him, "Hey, I, I've saved a million dollars," and she tells him that on this cruise. And instead of being thankful, he's so fucking pissed. He's like, "You should have told me this five years ago, so I could have retired five years sooner. You wasted five years of my life," and he's pissed. And I see that as just like one of those kinds of things. Like, 
you're not going to know everything about your mate. Hmm. I know it's not ideal that your mate's been out there fuck cheating on you, but like, yeah, I think that's it. Right. It's like, and I and think, I use the word cheating very loosely. Yeah. I think, I think people one. I think people can love more than one person. Like that's something that I believe inherently that people can love more than one person, whether it's serial monogamy or seeing multiple people at the same time. Like I just believe that we're humans capable of fucking loving and there's, you don't run out of it. You know, what if um, I were to say it's impossible just to love one person, then the, what, whatever you're feeling isn't really love. Oh, Oh, that, that would freak people out. <laughs> okay. Go on. I know. Right. <laughs> Go on. So I think, you know, it's like you, you're not going to run out of love. So I think what happens is people think if someone's seeing someone else or cheating on them, that they're, they're losing because of that, that there's some kind of net loss. But it's like, well, no, not potentially. But also to if after 20 years with someone to be like, nope, you're done, you're out. It's like, man, you're judging them based on that one thing. And sure, maybe it was going on for a long time. But it's like, surely you can take in all the other things that you know about that person and that counts for something, you know, like if you're going to judge someone, judge them on the whole person, not just the one thing that they did. Right. Figure out if, figure out if it's, it's yeah. If it was one, one, especially if it's like, Hey, it's a happy marriage. It's a happy relationship. It's a happy, whatever. It's like, yeah. I, I feel that way about money also or thing. Well, first I don't ever lend the, the only thing I ever lend to anyone is money. If someone comes to my house and like, Oh, can I borrow this book? I'm like, no, you can fucking have it. Or no, you cannot, you know what I mean? Or if someone's like, can I borrow your car? I'm just like, no, Unless I'm, I think in my head, if they crash the car, am I going to lose the friendship? Like, can they afford to replace my car? You know, but, mm. but I've had people who, who owed me thousands of dollars. Like, you know, a friend of mine borrowed money to finish their master's program at school and, um, they, they didn't pay me back. And it's, it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not mad at the person. It's on them. Mm. It's, it's like another friend of mine. I, I, um, this is maybe 20 years ago. I had, they had sold like $4,000 worth of weed for me and I left it at their house for like three months. I didn't go to their house and pick it up. Their house was like 300 miles from my house. And when I went down there to pick it up, they're like, dude, I spent it. And I'm like, okay. And like this person now owes me that money, but like, but it's been 15 years, but like, I'm not, I'm not throwing the relationship away. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just no, there's no way it's, and I didn't do anything. Why would I throw it away? I just don't, I mean, I don't lend them any more money. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're going to stop doing that. Yeah. Well, it's like it, there's this beautiful duality that we experience in life, right? Where we can have two truths exist at the same time. So, you know, we can disagree with someone or have different opinions to someone, but we can still value a friendship or a relationship with them, which is probably what you've experienced all on social media with talking about the vaccine or talking about that shit. It's like, man, you can disagree with someone and totally think that what they're saying is absolute bullshit. But that doesn't mean that you think anything different about them it's like men they could still be your best friend or they could still be your family member or whatever it's like i think that people have a really hard time holding to onto two things they feel like no no no, i've got to choose like either you're with me and you're only with me and you never cheat on me or you're you want to be with other people and you're not with me at all it's like well you know people there, there can be two truths can exist we're, we're complex beings Right. You know where it's getting where it's getting very tricky for me is things that are encroaching on um, my kids. Mm. So like 
if I didn't have kids, this this would be awesome. Like if I was twenty, the twenty year old version of me right now, I would be so excited. I would want the world to turn into complete fucking anarchy. <laughs> I would be so excited about what's going on. I would pack my fucking bag of weed and 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 you know whatever, take my girlfriend and we just hitchhike across the country. But it's not mm-hmm. like that now. Now there's people saying my kids can't go to school unless they get an injection. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now it's like, now, now there is, um, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me because there's people, um, there's people who are involved in a movement that I feel, um, threatens my kids. Of course, I don't care if they get vaccinated, but like now that you, you want my four-year-old and my six-year-old to get vaccinated to protect your eight-year-old grandmother who's Mm. 200 pounds overweight and uh binges on twinkies and has dementia sorry i'm I'm struggling now we're i can't be your friend yeah Yeah. i'm not that big of a person Mm. is that okay i think so i think there i think when it comes to kids it's a different thing right yeah um so one of the things you talked about about food was is that you, about eating food like you you didn't want people to see you eat bad food because you wanted to maintain a certain was it a reputation? Um, I don't know if I was trying to maintain a reputation. I think I was trying to avoid being judged based on okay. the, the kinds of ways that I would judge myself. What's the difference? Being like judged. being judged versus like like so for instance I don't I will talk about things bad I will talk about the fact that I um every hundred days my kids do ride a skateboard consecutively I bought them ice cream or after three hundred sixty five days of riding a skateboard every day I might post a picture in my story that only lasts twenty four hours of them eating ice cream but the other times that they do let's say if I went to your let's say I came to your house and it was your birthday party and my kids ate cake I wouldn't post it on my Instagram. I wouldn't show the world and I, and I, I, I would talk about it, but I wouldn't show the world. And the reason why is because I feel like we're all mirrors and we shouldn't be showing each other our bad hmm. behaviors. Yeah, I think is that wrong. Am I, am I, do you need to unfuck me? Well, I, I think like people I think who about, post like pancakes every Sunday morning, yeah. like, like, or like I watch, I watch that show mad men and the guy's always smoking and drinking and it makes me want to light up a cigarette and drink. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely understand that. I think there's 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 extremes and then there's nuance to it, right? So it's like, I mean, you can have one person that's posting shit food every single meal and it's like, ah, you know, maybe you don't want to have that thing in sight reminding you of the delicious food that you're trying not to eat all the time. Right. Um, but then you have the opposite where someone never eats anything bad, is totally perfect, and whether that's real or not based on their Instagram, it's like you have this impression of someone who doesn't touch foods that you perhaps – desire or crave or things that you really enjoy eating so suddenly you're like oh fuck i feel bad i'm I'm not i'm not eating like this person or i'm not living up to my own expectations um based on some kind of highlight reel but i think when in terms of like my own eating and my own history i instagram wasn't even in the equation like social media and all that kind of stuff like that wasn't even part of it it was that i had so much guilt and shame around particular types of food that i considered bad or things that i was trying not to eat because i was trying to diet or i was trying to do whatever the fuck i was doing i just had i was just suffocating in this shame and it had to be a secret and then the worst part about making it a secret is that it made it more shameful so it was like it, it felt safe to do it in private and so it was just like this internal fucking 
dilemma of like, I, I don't want to eat these foods, but yet I'm eating these foods. So I, I just feel terrible about it. And I'm just like, I'm just going to do it at, at wed times at night, like in the car, like go and pick up some food and just like eat it before I even get home or like make sure my housemate doesn't see me eating it. Um, and if they do, it's like, I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. It was, it was, I think like not necessarily avoiding being judged, but just, yeah, just feeling so much guilt around it because I really wanted to be good, quote unquote. And I always use quotes around terms like good or bad because it's like, you know, it's just fucking crazy. Who knows what those mean, right? Yeah. But um, right. yeah, I just, it was a real struggle to figure out, like, I'm trying to do the right thing and I keep on doing the bad thing and fucking myself over. And I don't want to see anyone fucking like seeing, I don't want anyone seeing me fuck my own shit up is the how do you get out of that loop do you do you finally give up eating those foods or do you finally accept the fact acceptance you, it's that acceptance one. yeah yeah acceptance. so if you so the more that i restrict and i even had this so i did some intermittent fasting like uh a couple years ago i was uh uh coaching danny Harant, who i fucking love she's awesome um and she, she does awesome. intermittent fasting and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a crack and i did like three <clears> weeks and i just found that restricting and not eating just put me back into this habit of like, I would restrict and then binge and then restrict and then binge. And I was like, Oh no, 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 I cannot do. So yeah, for me, it's definitely about, Hey, give yourself permission to eat whatever and, and accept that it's okay to eat those foods. It's just food. I prioritize whole foods and I prioritize these things. and I try to add in more of the good stuff. But then if I do feel like having something that's the pancakes on the Sunday morning or the cake at a birthday party, it's like, Hey, I just have that stuff. And there's no, no, like, I have the thought of like, Hey, you probably shouldn't have this. And then it's like, Hey, no, it's okay. Cause if you don't have it now in like two weeks time, you're going to totally fly off the handle and just go nuts. Cause you've been trying to restrict this stuff. It's not like when I smoked cigarettes, I had to try quitting like 20 times. Hmm. It's, it's not funny. like that. Like, like I can't, I can't break. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you the last time I had pancakes. I would love to eat pancakes. Hmm. I just hmm. can't, it would, I would feel so, I didn't. Eat, I, I don't even eat birthday cake anymore. I would feel so bad. I do binge eat, but I binge yeah. eat like on a bag of a pound of macadamia nuts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah. a block of cheese, yeah. or a, a pound of salami, or you know what I mean? Yeah. I just couldn't see myself. But I mean, at thirty-one, I was doing that. At thirty-one, I was eating a pint of ice cream every night before I went to bed and doing three CrossFit workouts a day. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. For me, I still don't keep the food in my house. Like it's not right. like I've got like bottles of wine and I've got chocolate bars and I've got crisp or cracker, like whatever the shit food is that I, I think about. It's like, I don't keep that in the house. Um, it's you went I, to a I, wedding. I went to a wedding. No, I'm saying you would eat it at a wedding. Yeah, yeah. If it's I not at your wedding, house. It's at a wedding. I went out to a restaurant with friends. It was like, Hey, if I'm out, like I don't right. keep it in the house. Like there's, there's still things that I practice that benefit me and my overall health within my environment. So I create an environment that supports the, the health that I know that I need. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you get so caught in the track of, especially trying to get weight loss rather than trying to be healthy. It's a very yeah. different thing. It's a very different yeah. fucked up mindset and trying yeah. to lose weight and being in, in the realm of diet and, and being skinny and like not eating certain foods and being in a calorie deficit. Like you just get all kinds of fucked up in the head and then, and then trying to eat for health. It's, it's so much more enjoyable and I have to allow permission to include some foods that maybe aren't the craziest, like healthiest foods. Um, but it just keeps me sane. Yeah, and you have a metabolism now that can handle it. Oh yeah, I found I, mean, cro I found CrossFit at thirty four, and yeah. by the time I was thirty seven, like sh everything just started slowing down. And now I'm forty nine. It's like it's it's like way way like yeah. like you could 
you know, I work out and I'm not sore for three till three days later now. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I fo- think the, foods like that too. Having muscle has saved me during this lockdown because I've been eating more and training less, but I still just, I just burn calories. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like 80 kilos of like pretty much all muscle. I'm like probably 18% body fat. So it's like, it's cool. Like I, I, I've gained a little bit of weight, but it's like, I'm never going to be in the danger territory of like, Hey, I haven't been training as much. I'm, I'm eating a lot of food and I'm, I'm just piling on the pounds. So you're I, fertile. 18% yeah. body fat. You're fertile. Yeah. You got to drop to like 3% and then you don't you have to worry get. about any, uh, <laughs> any, uh, you don't even need your menstrual cup <laughs> <You're> anymore. <laughs> you know, the fastest way to get rid of your menstrual cup and birth control is just get down to 3% body fat, starve yourself. Yeah. Um, what you've been on the L1 team since 2000, February 2nd, 2014. Yeah. That's when you received the invitation. Mm-hmm. And it's 2021. Um, in 2017 or 18, when Greg started switching the, he had a switch. The and, and during that time, I was running the media department. Mm-hmm. He had a switch. Uh, 17, 18. He had to switch the the front end to sh- from forging elite fitness to basically we have a cure for the world's most vexing problem. And there was an order from him to let all hundred thousand trainers at that point who had taken their L one or however many it was that not only did they have the manual for the human operating system, but that they had the cure for type two diabetes. And we started putting obese people, pictures of obese people on the front end and showing pictures of obese people. This is before we went to the old person thing. There was like a year in there where we started showing before and after photos and just shit like that, that we would have never done before. Right. And um, before before that, it was just guns, hot dudes, and hot chicks, right? <laughs> and, and and which is cool. I, I'm no, I'm down with that. It's great. Everyone wants to be hot. Being hot's awesome. I mean, I'm guessing it's awesome. So, um, did you notice anything different in the L1? Because I, I, as we started changing it, Joe Westerlin, I would get feedback from Joe Westerlin and a few other trainers in the United States, and they would they would say shit to me like holy shit, it's working. And I go, what do you mean? They're like, I'm seeing people in the L1 who are now like 80 pounds overweight or I'm meeting people who have lost 100 pounds from CrossFit. Have you noticed any shift? I feel like we've been seeing that the whole time. Um, You mean like going back from 2014, it just slowly happened? I don't know. You didn't see any big shift? Damn it. I I think the shift that I saw. No, hang on, hang on. Let me give you something. I'll give you something good. Okay. okay. I'm (laughs) looking for a pat on the back here. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you a real good pat. The affiliate owners were like, hell yes. We've been waiting for this because people don't come into the gym because of the CrossFit Games. Right. But now we can talk about health and we can talk about real fucking people and the lives that are being changed. And we've got this display of it and people can see it. And it was like, it was, I, I think the affiliate owners were like, these are the people we're serving. Like we're not serving the Matt Frazier's of the world as much as we'd like to. Like, it's just not the reality. So I think the, every affiliate owner that I talked to was like, oh, finally, yes. Like this is what we wanted from CrossFit. Like that's, this is what we're doing. This is the work that we're doing. And that's, it, it's aligned with the level one. Like it, it's completely, right. you know, I think a lot of people that were, I think the people that pushed back on it were maybe participants, but not affiliate owners or trainers. Um, and they were like, man, what, what the fuck is this? This is such a big shift and a big change. And like, what are they trying to do now? And it was like, no, buddy, this is just, this is what we've been doing the whole time. Right. And we just didn't talk about it for a little while as much as we are now. Um, so uh, I think they took it too far when they fired the media team and started showing the old people on the couch. That was too much. 
that should have been yeah, just a, that should have been a little bit like like i think that was that, got that was, it was yeah that was too much that was too much like <laughs> but but doing the weekly 100 pound weight loss stories i think was potent mm, yeah yeah i think people love seeing those stories do, do you know who um craig howard is over at diablo crossfit i know diablo crossfit but i don't know craig howard Okay, he's the, the owner. owner. He, yeah, okay. uh, he's the owner, and he was like fittest dude who was 112 years old in the world or whatever, right? He's like my age, and so oh, he he, he went. Did you guys do a video on him? Did you do a video I, on him? I'm over the oh in the in the heyday he was like only one one of the only gyms like near HQ, so we did a bunch of videos on him yes. like in 2008 yeah. Yeah. maybe. Okay. Yeah, but but so um so he I don't remember what year it was 2018 or 19 he call he called in our our CEO at the time who's a knucklehead and our COO who is Bruce Edwards. And he called a meeting with them and he said to them, Hey, this, I was thinking I'm paraphrasing Craig. I'm sorry if I'm misrepresenting you, but I think basically he told them, Hey, I was going to de-affiliate, but this, all these stories you're showing with hundred pound weight loss, it's changed my clientele and I'm excited about it. We actually had a client come in the other day that we told to get in the prone position and they were so obese. They couldn't stand up. And so we as trainers had to learn how to coach someone, how to get off the ground. <laughs> and I was just like, and I was so excited about that because that's, that's it. like, that's it. Yeah. That's like saving lives. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I want to tell my kids we do. That's what I want to tell my kids we do. We, 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 we save people's lives. An affiliate owner still to this day, just yesterday, an affiliate tagged me saying that, hey, we cured someone of type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And that's so awesome. Well, the thing is, is like, I don't know anyone who's started CrossFit and hasn't had some kind of transformation. And maybe it's not as dramatic as losing 100 pounds and being obese and pre-diabetic and then suddenly healthy. But it's like, I was on the path of being someone who probably drank wine every night, didn't really work out. I wouldn't have had a lot of muscle. I wouldn't have been a particularly healthy human. Not, not you didn't work out before out. CrossFit. No, I did. I did like <laughs> I used to do. Do you guys are you familiar with like Liz Mills body like group fitness classes? Yeah, yeah. Like body yeah. pump. I used to like go to. I used to do a couple body pump classes. Used to, yeah, I, I I wasn't as a kid. I did a little martial arts and little gymnastics, but I was a dancer and like I. It wasn't, I wasn't a competitive dancer. I just, I just enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, no, I wasn't an active, like competitive athlete at all, at all. How did, how did you find CrossFit? So, uh, I'd been seeing it online. Like I'd seen it on like probably like Tumblr. I think back at the, back in the day, I'd seen it on some blogs and Tumblr. Um, and I remember going, you know, ah, oh, those girls are pretty buff. Like, I don't know if I want to be as buff as that, which I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I could have punched myself in the throat. Um, but I eventually went to a gym that had a special. It was like, hey, do a month for like, you know, X amount of dollars. And so I did, I think I did two sessions in a month. And uh, I went back in on the last day and was like, ah, oh, look, I, I don't think I'm going to sign up. But like, thank you. And then the, the owner of the gym was like, no, no, <laughs> you're signing up. <laughs> I'm going to give you a deal. You're going to sign up for six months. And it was the best thing. It took me about three months to like kind of get get the get to understand the lingo to like learn. And I was sold. I was totally sold. It became like a second home to you. Yeah, I remember going. I was in. So I had been in New Zealand for the for about six months, and then I started CrossFit. And about three months into that CrossFit journey, I was in Australia for a weekend and dropped in a, to an affiliate. And it was the first time I'd been to an affiliate that wasn't my own. And I was like kind of nervous and kind of like, ah, like I didn't really know all the movements. I still was learning. 
And I still drop into that affiliate. I'm buddies with the owner. Like I've dropped in and done classes for them now. I, I like remember people cheering me on doing, doing the workout. Like I just remember going in there and being like, this, this is a whole family that I can have at any affiliate that I walk in around the world. Um, and it blew me away. And that was when I was like, I love this thing. And I was, yeah, I, I drunk the Kool-Aid pretty hard at that point. Do you think that affiliate owner said that to everyone or he saw something in you? Do you think he was like, oh, Kate, Kate Gordon, this this is made for you. Like, what are you doing? You're fucking up. I'm stepping in here. The one that sold me on getting membership? Yeah, the one oh, where you're okay. like, hey, thank you, but I'm out. And he's like, no, you're not. Maybe. Maybe maybe it was just like, I, I need, I don't think it was like a, I don't think I would have been that impressive back then. I don't think it was like a unique CrossFit or like, you should do this thing. I think it was just like a, we want to get as many people into this thing as possible and we're not going to let you walk out. Isn't it weird that, um, that not only were you, that's how you got into a CrossFit gym, but that's how you become an L1 trainer. Like someone <laughs> grabbed your hand and was like, over here, girl. Yeah. I'm just like too much of a pushover to say no. I'm just like, yes. Okay. All right. Tell me what to do. <laughs> well, you can't be if you made the L1 team. Um, uh, so, so, so when your friend, when your friend said, Hey, I went, I, I went to that L1 course and um, I think you should be an L, one of those L1 trainers. Um, did you have any um, experience in public speaking or teaching people? So my degree is in performing arts. I went to okay. school and studied like film performing arts. So I'd been on stage and being a dancer, like I'm pretty comfortable in, in front of people speaking. Um, I was nervous because, you know, I, I, I literally, I was confident because I had a film degree. I was nervous as hell because I had a film degree. I wasn't, I wasn't a scientist. I wasn't a physical trainer. I, I wasn't someone that had the paper or the credentials, but I was really passionate and I really liked helping people and I was good at it. Um, so I, I had to learn a lot of stuff. And as I'm sure you've spoken to every L1 trainer about it's, it's brutal. It's a brutal progression through the internship and then getting on staff and, and becoming one of those people. But, um, yeah, no, I've, I've definitely gotten better over time, um, with lots and lots of practice and a shit ton of feedback. Yeah. A shit ton of feedback, man. It's crazy. The feedback they give, mm. it makes me so uncomfortable, but you guys <laughs> love that. Eat that shit up, right? Oh man, the, the, without discomfort, there's no growth. Like you just, you realize that the, the uncomfortable feeling is the d degree to which you're learning and growing. And it's just like, give it to me, give it to me. It's like, it's like, you know, heroin. For people who don't know, will you explain a little bit of the, um, the internship process and then just the feedback you get throughout, like that you still get to this day? Yeah. So they call the internship, like a, a job interview is like kind of the tagline for it. It's like, Hey, you're going to go, you're going to jump on a seminar. You're going to be the intern. Um, you get one free internship. So you get one weekend to just observe. It's your one free weekend to just take in the L1 information again and figure out how it all works. And I guess you have to look at it from the perspective of if I'm going to be one of these trainers, what, what the hell would I be doing? And, and, and where do I have to be? And what do I need to make sure that I'm ready for? And then a second internship is where you have to step up your game and you actually have to show your coaching ability. So what's really cool is that it's really not about how much you know, it's how well you can make people move better and how well you can kind of communicate to people and, and be around people and, and help them, like actually help them. Um, I remember some of the feedback that I got was like, it was Danny Mella, who's one of the, he's one of the floor masters in Australia, telling me about feedback that he'd gotten from Todd Woodman years ago. You know, it's like real, real trade war, war stories. And uh, he was talking to me about Todd Woodman going, hey, are you bullshitting me? Don't fucking bullshit me talking about whether or not he'd gotten some positive change out of some cues that he was giving an athlete. And Danny's like, no, like, I think, I think I did all right. He's like, you're fucking bullshitting me. Don't bullshit me. And it got to the point where Danny's like, 
I was I was bullshitting you. Like I I I didn't I didn't get it right. Like I was making it up. I was bullshitting. <laughs> like, you, you know, your heart is just racing. Someone's telling you that you're basically lying to their face, and you're just like, oh fuck, oh my god, I'm caught out. Like I'm put on the spot. I'm caught out. Like oh man, and and you have to deal with that. It's like you know, it's simple stuff. It's like hey, you told them to push their knees out. Did they push their knees out? And you're like. Yeah. And they're like, don't fucking bullshit me. And you're like, oh my God, they didn't. And I just let it go. And it's like little things. They just nail you on the little things. And you just learn to be super honest with them, with yourself and be so transparent and authentic in what you're doing and become incredibly relentless about your skill as a coach because you don't let shit go. Like, And that's what people recognize in the red shirt trainers. It's like, they're so good at getting getting what they want out of people because they they don't say good or better when it's not. You will never hear a red shirt say, yeah, good job, if it's not a good job. Like you you earn those words. And then when you get them, man, it feels so good. Like, you know, when you've had an L1 trainer who's like, dude, that's that looks really good. What you're doing with your chest, with your knees, with your with your weight, nailed it. And you're like, oh, wow, that's that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, you get a lot of feedback on just like how you're coaching like is your coaching actually effective what kind of a trainer are you because we don't want an effective trainers that's not what what the job is uh, uh, there's no you're not allowed to go on autopilot no you can't you, you you have to be you have to be kind of using all your senses all the time like you have to be eyes on you have to be checked in you can never check out you can't just like cruise through a weekend like man you, I used to talk about uh, when I'd get back to a coaching at the gym after a seminar, the seminar hangover, because you'd be kind of out of it until Wednesday because you just spend so much energy on those two days. Like you just, yeah, it is crazy. Up. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're how often, busy. how many seminars have you done? Uh, I think I've done about 130, 140. Holy cow. Somewhere around there. Holy cow. How, how, how many times have people asked you out like on a date? <laughs> uh, after a seminar or at a seminar zero zero really yeah zero zero i'm scary you didn't even want to do a podcast with me i'm scary right right and, and, and you know that it's, it's it must be because you're scary because yeah. because you're you're because you're you're beautiful and you're knowledgeable and you're open and so but maybe that's what makes you scary yeah possibly just too much yeah. <laughs> um, because you would think that, um, it, it, do any, do you hear any of the, any of the trainers getting asked out a lot? Because you're on the stage and people are like looking up to you, like you're bigger than life. And they would be like, man, I, I this is, I want to marry this girl. I want to take her home and go to the seminar, ask her to marry me and start I, my life. I actually, I actually have to say, I don't think I have heard of many people, but there are some like people that have ended up in relationships with people that they met via seminars somehow. So it, right. it does happen for sure. Um, like I'm, any workplace, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to think who's the guy. He lives in Florida. He's on the seminar staff. He's short. I think he may even be shorter than me. Jason Ackerman. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I, remember. I, I think he met his wife. I think she was a, a contestant. No, that they're not called contestants. <laughs> Participants, whatever, contestants. I mean, they could be contestants. They're contest. She was contestant in his life, and she won the prize. Yeah, she's the big winner. Yeah, there's there's okay. another couple as well. There's a, there's a few couples that have met via you know being on staff, and and they've been one of the participants. You don't get fired for that. I mean, I guess not. <laughs> um, 
Will there become a point where you think that you'll tell Greg, um, okay, uh, I don't want you seeing any more people? Um, look, the only time that I could see that happening is if I was pregnant. And I'm like, uh, hey, <laughs> none, right. none of that for right now. Yeah. Um, stability is really – stability is fun. I know, but yeah, maybe not it. in your 30s, but – yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny. Like, we have a lot of conversations around, like, hey, I kind of would love to be monogamous with you. But it's really nice to be not monogamous and want to be monogamous rather than being like, hey, we're monogamous and, like, I kind of don't want to be monogamous. Um, so for now, I don't see that happening. But I, I know that there will be seasons or phases in our relationship, you know, with ebbs and flows that comes with it that will we'll have periods where we're like, hey, I don't want to see other people. Or, hey, I want to – like, we've never – developed a relationship with someone outside of our, our, our little uh, two-person relationship. Um, and I think both of us have said that we, we probably wouldn't. I don't think we'd have the time and energy for it in the first place, but I don't think we have the emotional capacity to, like, give that to someone. Um, but that could change as well. So, yeah, I don't think there's any, like, decided rules or um, ways that we're going to do it. Do, you, do, your parents do your parents follow you on Instagram? Yeah. They've seen it oh. all. <laughs> Do hmm. it, it in in my life. I'm 49, and and like all the things that are are holding me back are all things of perceptions of people who are closest to me, right? So it's like you keep thinking you're going to be grown up and free, but it's like, oh, there's one more layer to peel back. Oh, there's one more layer to peel back. It, has this been like a, a pretty big step for you, like just how open you are or not at all? It just came just super easy. Or were you just like, okay, here we go. And then one day you're talking to your mom and she's like, so I noticed you're posting about <laughs> menstrual cups and open relationship. I mean, or was it? The relationships thing was like a big, I, I don't know. I don't know how I even thought Man, it's a good question. I don't know at what point I was like, I'm just going to talk about everything and anything. Actually, do you know what? There's a podcast that I was listening to and this girl was super explicit on it about her sex life and her relationships. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. I love getting this insight into people's lives. It's so fucking cool. Um, and I, I think I was just <laughs> overconfident and empowered and was like, yeah, I mean, what's any, like, I don't care. I don't care what anybody knows. Like I'm, I'm just such, uh, and what I've noticed on social media is that like, I like to resonate with people that understand the stuff that I am struggling with or am I, I'm, I'm working through or whatever it is. So um, I'm, I try to, it's almost like, Hey, let me be the anti highlight reel. And if you, if it clicks with you, then that's fucking cool. Um, and if it doesn't like, uh, you know, oh, going back to your parents, are you excited and by how much your parents have, are your parents accepting the, the way you're presenting yourself to the world on social media? Uh, I don't hear anything from dad. Um, I have a stepmom. I don't hear anything from her. So they, they're not, <laughs> they're not protesting against it. They're not also like openly supportive. My mom, I've had a couple of conversations that have been really hard conversations. Um, but I think, I think it's just challenging. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of an out there concept for, for me and people my age, let alone like my parents, you know, it's like, <laughs> So I appreciate that it's something that she's just like, I don't know if she'll ever really be okay with it. I think she wants me to be monogamous and be in a secure relationship. But I'm like, the, the best part is unfortunately for my, my dear mother, she's like, well, 
what if you get someone else pregnant? And I'm like, well, unfortunately, and this is a story from my past, one of my partners that I was with prior to Greg, uh, we were monogamous and he cheated on me and he got the other girl pregnant. And I'm like, mom, the risk is there in non-monogamous relationships and fucking monogamous relationships. So at least with Greg, I'll know about it. Like <laughs> it won't take me finding out that he was cheating on me for me to then be in contact with the girl and then her to tell me what happened. It was like, sorry, mom, but uh, <laughs> you lost this argument. Do you think people that have been through a lot together, they have stronger relationships as they get through it? I would imagine so. Yeah. Depends. I mean, <laughs> I think you got to be able to talk about it well, right? And like figure it out. As opposed to like holding resentment for 20 years. Yeah. Like being, yeah, resentful or contemptuous or yeah, just quiet about it, you know, like not, not talking about it. There's so many things that you suggest people talk about in relationships that I just never talked about in relationships because, and maybe I'm lying to myself, but I just feel like that almost some of that stuff should be kept a mystery. Like just about intimacy stuff like this, like this, like, like, like what you like sexually, what you don't like, like, like it's almost like, Hey, you wait till they try to put their thumb in your ass and you're like, ah, no, don't do that. And they're like, but I read on cosmopolitan that boys really like that. You're like, nah, not me. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks though. Appreciate it. <laughs> like, it's almost like better to like, like, like leave some things to mystery, but I can't, I can't tell if that's just um, me not wanting to talk about it mm. or if that. There's definitely a romantic notion that we should right. just, that we should just know and be able to like give our partners what they need. And like, we should just understand them. And that's a signal that we know them and we love them. And I think it's like, I think that's, it's exactly what it is. It's this romantic notion that we're like, uh, right. I mean, it's not less romantic for you to be able to be like, Hey, I really like it when you do this. In fact, right. it's fucking hot. Like it turns into like sexy, like dirty. Like I really like it when you do that. When you put your thumb in my ass, that feels really fucking good. I want you to do that more. You know, it's like it can it can be sexy. I think people's idea right. of talking about it is like sitting down at the dinner table and being like, okay, so tonight this is what's on the schedule. And it's like, no, man, it, it's like it's giving feedback that's positive reinforcement. It's fucking it's fucking CrossFit coaching. It's giving right. positive reinforcement. It's being it's it's telling someone what to do, not what not to do. You know, I think a lot of people think that it's giving negative feedback where it's like, oh, you did this and it was shit. And it's like, no, it's like, hey, you did this and it was amazing. Did you like right. it when I did that to you? And it just becomes this really fluid, positive, nice conversation. That's that means that you understand what they want and you don't have to sit there trying to pretend like you can read their mind and you can deliver and you can actually get better at what what they enjoy. Oh my God, I love that. Boom. Yeah, it's like raising your kids. Yeah. I cheer them on when they do the good shit. Yeah, it's coaching. It's fucking coaching. Whatever whatever I think that they're doing is good, I cheer them on. Yeah, yeah, yeah good job. Good, well, well, yeah, awesome. It's that, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. coaching 101. If you want someone to do something, tell them what they're doing well because they will continue to do that thing. Right. Maybe even give them feedback right away. Don't bust a nut and roll over and go to bed. Don't bust yeah. them out when I'm ovulating, babe. <laughs> <laughs> give them, give them, give them. Yeah, yeah. It's all, yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I, 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 I like that. I, 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 I'm so limited in my scope. Um, of that, of, of anything but um, 
intimacy because to have relationships where there's not intimacy whether it be a man or a woman just like um, like intellectual or emotional in- intimacy mm-hmm. just seems like a complete waste of time to me anyway but i know that there's a ton of people out there who just do that right there's people out there who have one night stands or who treat the waiter like shit or who treat the guy the boy at the sh- at the supermarket is collecting cards like shit and like none of that shit is like acceptable to me so like there's that whole other side of of just zero communication and zero intimacy and and maybe it's just self awareness zero self awareness just at, which from my perspective is just being an asshole and not doing your part for society but it's it's all of that shit is so foreign to me yeah yeah I, I don't really understand people that don't like to connect with other people like you know like actually connect with them whether it's through conversation or something whatever something they do it's like just a physical connection is it definitely feels transactional to me and i'm like ah, i don't know if, i don't know if that rocks my boat floats my boat it seems like putting in a lot of en- wasted energy too it didn't never made sense to me like to put in the energy to have a one night stand and then it just and, and then never have sex with the person like wait you, like, yeah. you had to learn their name and they are, and you're just going to bone them. Wait a second. You're putting, it's it's like the friendship thing. Once again, you lend, you put 10 years in a relationship, and you lend someone 4000 bucks, and they don't pay you back, and you kick it to the curb. It's like, nah, I got 10 mm-hmm. years in this fucker. I'm not letting $4,000 yeah. ruin it. Yeah, and like, man, um, the opportunity to get to know someone as well. Like, you know, and, and if it's someone that you don't care about more than just, like, having a one-night stand with, then, like, why? Like, when you could – meet someone that's interesting and you don't, I think it's, you know, what you talked about in university where you're like, I had multiple girlfriends and it was great. And we hung out and we had a relationship and it's like, I think people are so scared of having a that also has an emotional connection because they think, well, I guess I fucking have to marry her. And it's like, no, like you can just have a relationship that is a nice connection and you also have sex. Like it's, it's okay. You don't have to have kids together one day. And it's okay to get hurt and you're going to get hurt. Yeah. I, 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 I had this friend. I, 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 um, I wonder if he listens to this show. He's not in this country. We only stay in contact through Instagram. I really, <laughs> really love this guy. But we were in college, and he was an exchange student from Germany. Mm-hmm. And there was this girl he really, really liked, and she really, really liked him. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing, doing back at my apartment? Go sleep with her. And he, he goes, dude, she's leaving in two weeks. And I'm like, where to? And like, she was going to like... Uh, in the United States, we have this thing. Fucking, what's it called? It's where you go help people in foreign countries, like in like third in world Pope countries. Well, oh, oh no. okay. Uh, um, Haley, what's that thing you do? Like when you're in college and you're a hippie, and Kennedy found it, and like you're gonna help people, like in third world countries. Not Greenpeace. Peace Corps? Peace Corps. Peace Corps. Yeah. There it is. Okay. So he goes, she's going to the Peace Corps for two weeks. And I'm like, dude, so what? He goes, well, I don't want to like fall in love with her and get hurt. I'm like, dude, there could be an earthquake and we can die tomorrow. Go over there and fuck her brains out for two weeks straight, fall in love with her and have your heart torn out. Who yeah. cares if you get hurt? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? It's like, it's, yeah, I feel like people are willing to not not try at all rather than try and fail, right? And it's like, what's the real failure? It's the person who didn't fucking try. It's like in CrossFit, people are like, oh, I don't want to do CrossFit and get hurt. It's like, so you're going to sit on the couch and be sedentary and get old and like weak? That's, that's the person that's the risky person. CrossFit, 
Right. People, right. People don't understand the cost. People get right. mixed up. Right. Um, someone said this, Bug said this, there's a difference between her being intimidating or people being intimidated by her. If someone is intimidated by her, that doesn't mean they know they aren't up to par. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't that just mean that they know that they aren't up to par. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I see that meme a lot on Instagram. I've never, but you have to remember if you're going to use the word tall, you have to be willing to use the word short. If you're going to use the word respect, you have to be willing to use the word disrespect because they're based on each other. So let, let's face it. Let's face it. Okay, so she's beautiful. She's strong. She stands in front of a crowd and bosses people around and tells them how to move their bodies, and it's crazy attractive. And I'm sorry. It's crazy intimidating. Sorry. But, and, and, and am I intimidated by it? It's not intimidating and I'm intimidated? Fine. It's both. But I'm telling you, 51% of us think it's intimidating, so we win. But I, but I see your point. You're, you're right, too. Well, the but I get to be that, right, too. That tweet that went viral that's like, yeah. well, I, is she intimidating or are you intimidated? It's like the only place that tweet like lives is where the, the idea of being intimidating is a bad thing. But right. in oh. my world, being intimidating as a female, I'm like, fuck yeah, make me the most intimidating woman you've met. I want that. Like, that's a great thing for me. I don't want to be someone you're not intimidated by. Like, the people that you're not intimidated by, I'm not interested in those kinds of people. Ooh, so you want men who are big. I, I like this because I used to refer to, to men who um, might go after girls like you or girls who might go after men like you would be, I call them big game hunters. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like no, let like, me scare everyone off. Like I, it's like the courage to not be liked, right? It's like, good, because the people that do want to be with me, the people that want to be around me, it's like they cut through that and, and they're not, and they're not scared. They're not afraid. They like being uncomfortable. They like that. It's like, it's just another filtering process. This rhino has a horn and I'm not going to be scared of it. Well, even if I'm scared of it, I'm up for the challenge. Yeah, exactly. I know this rhino it's has a giant horn. I know this hippopotamus <laughs> has huge teeth and a crazy temper. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, big, big game hunters. Big game hunters. Big game hunters. Um, what was I asking you about? Um, I was asking you about uh, something about Greg. Not if he was stronger than you. If we would be monogamous? Not if you would be monogamous. It was something. Hmm. Hmm. I'll come back to it. Um, tell me about the big clip. I, I can't believe it's uh, an hour and 45 oh. minutes and I haven't had to go pee yet. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting close. Okay. Okay. Let's talk um, about the big clip energy big and I'll let you go. Energy. That yeah. banner is fucking huge. Why would you get that banner? I does the clip, I does, I mean, I, the idea of a, a big clip sounds cool. It's easy to find, I guess. And like, okay, sure. let me, I got but, a, but, I got a comment from someone who was okay. like, I it don't understand the, the someone phrase. trolling me. Someone was okay. trolling me. I love trolling. The comment, I love trolling. Yeah, this this comment was great. It was I'll the, probably start trolling you. Once I become friends <laughs> with someone, I start trolling. Yeah. Okay, so someone said she has a very big clip in response to something I posted. I have no idea what it was. Something. She has a very big clip. And I was like, Yeah, I do. Big clit energy. So it's kind of like big dick energy. People yeah. use the phrase big dick or, yeah. or small dick energy. Small dick energy is like offensive. And I'm like, yeah. I've never heard small dick energy. Yeah, it's like that guy's got small dick energy or the, that guy's got big dick energy. Um, so then I guess the female equivalent is like that chick's got big clit energy. Oh. And the guy was trying to offend me by being like, oh, she's got a big clit. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> oh, and I okay. Found this I found this banner, but I ordered it from the U.S. And the measurements were in inches. And I thought I was ordering, ordering centimeters. Ah, so speaking saying, of big clit. 
So it was big clit energy wrapped up in a big clit banner. <laughs> I accidentally ordered it now. It's Where like are you putting that? Four times. I think it's going to go on the wall in my garage where my like gym is. So it's going to take up the whole wall. Um, you should consider hanging it somewhere um, in a public place. <laughs> <laughs> just like go to a local coffee shop and just, just <laughs> hang it on the wall. Put it on like my table. It's like my tablecloth. Yes. <laughs> I want like a big clit energy face mask or something. I tell you a story I've never told anyone. So I, I, I used to love the eggplant. I would send the eggplant to anyone, just the big, because it just, to me, it just meant the big dick. So if like, I just sent eggplants to anyone and everyone, just in text messages. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter who, just totally inappropriate eggplant sender, right? Like someone might be like, how you doing today, Savon? I just sent him back an eggplant, right? <laughs> Fucking awesome. Big dick energy. I, I didn't, I just thought of it as just big dick. So just like as, as a positive thing, the eggplant. <laughs> and after um, Greg made that, um, uh, he made the Floyd 19 comment. And mm-hmm. then that um, psycho fucking chick called him racist. And Greg fucking responded to her and smashed her. And uh, um, at that, at that fucking gym. And um, I don't even think it's an affiliate anymore. It's a Northern it's in one of the fucked up states in the United States, like Oregon or Washington or something. I can't remember. But anyway, I stopped sending the eggplant for like five or six months oh. because I was just because I just felt like this, this like sensitivity, you feel, like you didn't feel big dick energy. No, I felt like just like the woke police were everywhere and I was going to yeah. get in trouble for fucking sending the eggplant. Yeah. And, and, and the second I got fired from CrossFit, I was like, OK. Egg, it just fucking eggplants <laughs> everywhere. Eggplant. I'm I'm back. I'm back to my. Yes, I, I am drinking. I, I am drinking like, the patent. Yeah, go I ahead. want like an eggplant banner in your gym. That, yes, that would be the equivalent. Just a big fucking eggplant. Yes, you don't see the word clit a lot. No. You know, you know, you have you ever seen Google Trends? I know you have to pee. Sorry, and I feel so bad because when I have to pee, it's fucking the worst. Have, I'm gonna let you go. Do you know? Do you know the Google Trends? Yeah, I haven't really. I don't spend a lot of time on them, but I've, I've seen them. Like you can go and type in like. Are you going to find out how what what clit is doing? Yeah, then like you can type. Damn, I can't. I, don't know. I feel like it's got to be better. It's got to be doing better lately. You know. <laughs> of course, you think that you have a fucking ten by ten sign that says big clit energy. <laughs> I want to believe that. Come on. <laughs> we talked about hormonal birth control. Um, I wanted to talk about um, value based on looks. You were saying that uh, I think that there's something there you, I need to be unfucked on. I'll have to have you back on because I think it's cool to value someone by their looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I but I but I think that you could set me straight on what you mean. I think there's some importance of talking there. Um, uh, sexually objectified versus sexually liberated. Got to have you back on to talk about that. Mouth taping. My mom's a mouth taper. Yeah. Give a fucking whole section on mouth taping. Got to talk so about much. that. Yeah. Um. You 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 have that that those circles within circles on that post, and basically the center circle is what you can con- control. I think it's Steve mm-hmm. Covey or someone. You you yeah, quote him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something really interesting in there that I think that you and I should talk about that would be really helpful to a lot of people. What you really need to control, all of you, and you need self awareness to do this, is your reactions. Once mm-hmm. you can control your reactions to things, you're 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 on your way to fucking becoming mm-hmm. the Buddha. But if you it's can't. Like- you're fucked. It's like be one of those people that's never easily offended. You just never. Yes. 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 And if you are, accept the fact that you were offended. 
Yeah. And figure out why you're offended. You know, yeah. it's like, that's on you. That's not on what someone yeah. else said. It's because of what you figured out based on what they said to you. Sevon, this is the worst podcast ever. Ouch, that hurts. I accept the fact that that hurts. And I, and I just like move, move on. Like, it, like it's okay. Um, we talked a little bit about menses. I wanted to talk about um, how you view life because you're experimenting with your life. I want to talk about your hot, cold bath. I want to talk more about Matt Swift. But um, so I've had a lot of your time. I feel like I dodged. I'd love to see Swifty on here. Yeah. You, you wouldn't be able to talk much. Well, good. I need someone. I need someone to <laughs> talk over me. Um, you were great. An hour and 51 minutes. I can't believe I did this. Yeah, that was good. How do, you, how do you do it sitting down? You're sitting down. Hey. Yeah. Are you standing up? Yes. I'm sitting in a, like a half Lotus. Oh, okay. Nice. And my like foot up. Yeah. Yeah. And then my other foot like up on my knee. And then I, and yeah. then I, my back is on a, I'm just sitting super straight. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And we're off. 